I hope he's rolling in his grave, that fuck. <laughs> Welcome to It's Not TV. It's a podcast. I'm Nicole and along with me is David. Hello, hello. This is a podcast where we celebrate HBO's prestige programming with subpar commentary. Each episode will look into a show from HBO's past and tell you if it's worth your watch. Who are we doing today, David? Today we are looking at Ballers, starring The Rock. Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson. Have you seen Ballers, Nicole? I have seen a good chunk of it. A good chunk of it. So I watched the pilot. Ballers, for those that don't know, starred Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And it was a sports dramedy about financial advisors trying to make it big in the fast-paced competitive world of professional sports. Nicole, I just told you that it's about financial advisors, but as you and I talk about this show, (laughs) they're agents, right? We call them different things, but like sports agents. I mean, when you're dealing with someone's money, it's... uh... You're really close cut with them, man. At least in the the stuff I watched, like Rock is dealing with people's money, but then he's also trying to get them jobs like an agent would. Yeah. And there's even a point where he actually negotiates with someone's agent. And I still don't realize that that's their agent or that there's even a difference. Folks, if you want to get a clear understanding of how the sports world operates in terms of financial advisors and agents and deals, this is not the show for you. It's not going to help. It's, <laughs> you're not going to figure it out. This is not an education on the business. Yes. Ballers ran for five seasons. It started in 2015 and the series finale aired in 2019. Much to everybody's surprise. Yes. It seemed like Rock was the one that announced it on like Instagram. (laughs) That's how you find out all your news. Social media, baby. (laughs) Yeah. So Rock announced on the show it was its final season. So I think that was a bit of a surprise. And but you you watched it when it was on, right? You saw a couple of seasons. I watched through the third season, which I think in our research, that's about when viewership drops off. Yeah. So there's a huge drop off, like mid season three for some reason. And audience, we try to look into it. We think people just got tired. There's no like significant. It's not like a weird episode or anything where it drops off. People don't want to ball no more. Nicole, what drew you to the show initially? Uh, This is another um, watch it with your bad taste boyfriend situation. (laughs) As this podcast goes on, I think we find more and more that you do not have a lot of agency over what series you get to watch. I'm not a big TV watcher, which is really ironic, seeing as I have a TV podcast. (laughs) Yeah, folks, that does not make her unqualified. (laughs) She is the voice of reason on this podcast, and she still has seen more of the shows we've covered than I have. So Ballers was created by Steven Levinson. We've talked about this on the podcast that HBO is very incestuous, that once they find a creator they like, they keep giving them swings at the bat. Steven Levinson created Entourage with Mark Wahlberg. He's also been a part of In Treatment, Boardwalk Empire, How to Make It in America, McMillions. He's kind of like Mark Wahlberg's best friend, I think. Which therein lies like Entourage Inception, because it's like he hired all of his buddies And they make a bunch of HBO shows about being bros. Yes. Nicole, I think that there's this like weird thing that if you're friends with Mark Wahlberg, you get jobs. And that probably explains why you'd be a friend to Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. I wonder if this is a chicken or egg situation when it comes to Donnie and and Marky Mark. You know, did did the underwear come first? 
Did the new kids on the block come first? I don't know. Which was it? Did the underwear comes first is not a thing you could say on our podcast (laughs) without getting an MA rating. Nicole, Steven Levinson, as we mentioned, created Entourage with Mark Wahlberg. They were producer. Entourage was very successful. Ran eight seasons in a movie. Did you watch Entourage before you watched this show? No, no. Okay. No, I haven't seen a beat of that. Well, maybe a beat of it, but that's about it. So I watched Entourage twice. I watched it live and then I actually went back with with my wife and and watched it again. I think of anticipation of the movie when that was coming out. Um, I'll save my major thoughts for Entourage until we we cover it on the show, but I did enjoy it. I enjoyed Entourage at the time I watched it. It's the movie business. It's your background. Yes. You're com- you're compelled and attracted to those storylines. Not so much the NFL. Well, I think the trick here is, and I love the NFL, but for me, I think Entourage and Ballers, for obvious reasons, they've got the same creators, are very similar shows. I was much younger when I got into Entourage. So I think this may speak to the audience, too, that I was a dumb 20-something when I was watching those dumb 20-somethings in Entourage. It was more relatable. Yeah. And now as a very 40-year-old man, I watch this show and I'm worried about like people's nest eggs and like, you know, their careers and their knees and and weird shit like that. So it's it's a little different. The STDs, children out of wedlock. Yeah, it makes me nervous. So this show stars The Rock. He's very tall. He has mountains of muscle covered largely by tattoos. He has an incredible face which his smile takes up most of i feel like this is like asmr for rock fans this isn't very much about his career just keep describing his muscles in his face for our audience (laughs) needless to say the rock is a very popular man a very popular wrestler former wrestler he is a very popular actor he's well paid he has 237 million followers on instagram and is the third most followed on Instagram, in the world. So I just saw the other day he did a video where he surprised a tour bus. And he like was driving by them, like a Hollywood Homes tour bus. And he just rolled down his window and started talking to the people. And it was like the greatest experience of their lives. So he doesn't just have Instagram and make movies. And he's not only a former wrestler or producer or whatever the fuck else he does. He also creates applications to help you goal set and wake up and make it through the day and reach your weight and weightlifting and all of that kind of stuff. Working out, getting fit, taking good cares. So back in the day, I would have a wake up call through HLN with Robin Mead, which is like a news network that's kind of light. Like it's a light. It's mostly like the home shopping network. No, 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 not not HSN, HLN. Oh, headline news. And it's uh, it's like CNN light. Like it's like diet CNN. Robin Mead would call me every morning and wake me up. Have you ever done one of those? Well, I did once and it was it's quite embarrassing. I downloaded like a sexy man voice alarm clock because I love accents. I love the British accent especially. Mm-hmm. So I had this man set up with his British accent set up to wake me up and it terrified the shit out of me. <laughs> I woke up in sweaty fear and no thank you to that ever again. Was it the accent (laughs) that did it? Which accent was it? I think just having strange men in your room when you're sleeping Mm. is just not the way you want to wake up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That'll do. Even if they're British, even if they're offering you scones. Even if it's Prince fucking Harry making me tea, (laughs) I'm good. 
Regardless, The Rock has a clock. He has an alcohol, a tequila, to be more specific. Related to the show, The Rock is actually a former defensive tackle. He played at the University of Miami. The U. He didn't get drafted at the NFL, but he was signed by the Canadian Football League, and he was cut after just a few weeks. But, Nicole, they were super, super apologetic when he got cut. Well, good for them. (laughs) He didn't go back because he was about to be a star. Johnson headlined the most bought professional wrestling pay-per-view, WrestleMania 28. He was featured among the most watched episodes in the WWE's two flagship television shows. He is the 10-time world champion, a two-time intercontinental champion, a five-time tag team champion, and he retired in 2019. I don't know what any of that means, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) The Ultimate Warrior was my favorite wrestler, so I missed Rock. He was after my time of watching wrestling. But when I was growing up, I think I just missed, like, Hulk Hogan was there, but I was like a little, little kid. And then Ultimate Warrior was the big one. Uh, He was insane. Just to give you a little taste of the Ultimate Warrior, Nicole, while wearing pants that were spray painted with pictures of him wearing the pants that were spray painted with a picture of him. It was like Pants Inception. He said in an interview that on his way to the match for WrestleMania, he hoped that Hulk Hogan died in a fiery plane crash because the pilots would be strangled to death by Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, well, thank you for settling me comfortably in my decision not to watch wrestling. Nicole, you're missing out on the Royal Rumble. Tag team sounds like we're talking about OnlyFans. Doesn't Raw and SmackDown sound like we're talking about OnlyFans? You know what? Now that you say it, yeah, it sure does. And did you know that he went and graduated high school right close to where you're from? Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It's weird because The Rock doesn't seem like a Pennsylvanian. He's way too charismatic. Pennsylvanians are known for a lot of things. But when we create our characters in D&D, we are always, always, always getting zeros in that charisma check. Did you just nerd card us? <laughs> I did nerd card you, which is more evidence to support my argument that Pennsylvanians have no charisma. Mm-mm. Nope. Numbers don't lie, and he is one of the highest grossing and highest paid actors working. His films alone have grossed over $10.5 billion worldwide, not including his TV work like this HBO show and his self-produced autobiographical series Young Rock, his book and production company. And as a call out to our friends over at At Least There's a Dog, The Rock has appeared as an alien wrestler in Star Trek Voyager. Did you watch Star Trek Voyager, Nicole? I didn't, but I listened to At Least There's a Dog, and I have no idea what's going on in the show, but they've got some excellent chemistry. The Rock is developing a bodybuilding camp that is set to rival other long-standing bodybuilding shows, such as the Arnold Classic. He's a Taurus, like David. So at this point, they're basically the same person. Yeah, I would say the number of times that folks have confused me with The Rock is zero. But I appreciate you, Nicole. Would you consider yourself more like the paper or the scissor? I don't think I've ever been described as being sharp. (laughs) So I think I'd have to be paper. (laughs) He also has, Nicole, a new show called Young Rock, which just got renewed for its second season. When we look at all this rock stuff, Mm -hmm. rock is everywhere. He's currently in theaters right now as we're recording this with Jungle Cruise. He's he's everywhere. Are you a big rock fan? I wouldn't say I'm not a rock fan. I couldn't name a bunch of movies that he's been in that I particularly loved or watched over again. However, 
I have watched Moana 800 times easily, even before I had a child. So (laughs) that's easily my favorite rock movie. And my least favorite is probably Jumanji because they remade a classic and I don't care how good they did. You just don't remake Robin Williams movies. Sorry. So I can't bring myself to watch the new Aladdin because I I love me some Will Smith, but I can't watch anyone replace Robin Williams. Yeah, I think that's a solid Mm. don't recast Robin Williams, period. (laughs) So what is your favorite and least favorite rock movie? So to your point, I do think Moana counts. He's great in Moana. The You're Welcome song is top tier for me. So I'll break this up. The thing that The Rock is best in is the Fast and the Furious movies, but those movies are terrible. So he stands out for me by actually having charisma and the rest of the cast. I do this for family. So they're so fucking bad that the gap between The Rock and them and The Rock is listen, The Rock is a great actor. But, you know, he's no Michael Fassbender, okay? I I feel like they knit that movie so tightly with those actors and characters. And then they were just like, oh, look, The Rock is here. And you're like, why? He stands out because he has talent. Um, So there are other people in this show, guys, by the way. It's not just about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He doesn't just stand there on the screen wiggling his eyebrows around. We do have John David Washington, which before we even get into it, there's quite a few people here who have famous parents. This being one of them, Mm. I don't know if you heard of Denzel Washington, but John David Washington actually played for the Rams in the UFL. So he's got some football in his background before pursuing his acting career. Ooh, okay. So he was in Tenet by Christopher Nolan that just came out. And uh, Nicole, I didn't understand it. I enjoyed it, but I could not tell you what it was about if you put a gun to my head, which they do several times in the film. They put guns to people's heads and ask them to explain it. (laughs) Donovan W. Carter who also got a full ride football scholarship in college to UCLA. Well, I don't know if The Rock got full ride, but he also played college football. I'd give him a full ride. Troy Garrity, which is the lovely Jane Fonda's son. Jane Fonda is fantastic in everything she's in. Yes. I love Jane Fonda in Grace and Frankie. It's one of my favorite shows right now. But yes, I second Jane Fonda's fantastic. Omar Benson Miller, most recognized for his role in 8 Mile, but he was also on CSI Miami, and he's on a new show with Walton Goggins called The Unicorn with Ballers co-star Rob Corddry. He's been in a ton of stuff. Nicole, he's in a bunch of episodes of Community. You might know him from the Hot Tub Time Machine franchise. He doesn't play the hot tub. (laughs) He was in a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, He was in Office Christmas Party. He was in a bunch of, well, he's in Workaholics. And for our Adult Swim folks, he he was big in Children's Hospital. While we were doing our research, we found someone very interesting who was into this show. So Elizabeth Warren, senator, would tweet about the show. She even gave an interview about the show's finale in Entertainment Weekly. It confuses me. It intrigues me. (laughs) I'd like to know if she watched it with Bernie. (laughs) What (laughs) other shows does she watch? I mean, is this a rock crush or? Do you think she's trying to position herself as like his VP, his running mate when he eventually runs for president? Oh, no. I don't I hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) I will not vote for The Rock. You don't think The Rock would make a good president? No, I don't think The Rock should be the president any more than Oprah Winfrey, who actually would be more qualified now that I say it out loud. Or what was Ronald Reagan? Wasn't he an actor that went? And then Arnold was a governor. I just I'm not into it. Using your celebrity to take on the most powerful office in the country. No, thank you. If you want to use Ronald Reagan 
as the reason that celebrities shouldn't run for the presidency, you've won the argument in my head. A hundred percent. So a little more trivia about the show, which I mean, Senator Warren takes a lot of the cake, but the NFL actually tried to block this show's access to former and current NFL players and the use of their logos. So a weird thing here, you can use the logos and everything, but you can't disparage. So the NFL can't do anything if you're doing nice things. Like if you're just wearing the Dolphins shirt, you're fine. But you can't like commit a crime in the show while you're wearing a Dolphins shirt. I think it's how they do like the stipulation. You can't be like, yo, the Dolphins suck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they do. But you can't. <laughs> yeah, you can't say that on the show, I don't think. Quoting Screen Rant, they just said that this uh, blockage is likely stemming from fears of the show exposing some of the NFL's shadier business practices and potentially problematic behind the curtain behavior of its players and executives. The producers of the show ignored the NFL's attempts to stop the cameos and managed to get everyone they needed. I don't know if that goes to say something about that people just don't give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> about the NFL and their opinions. Yeah, I think people just didn't give a shit. And they still I mean, they even had in their episodes, you know, several people that were actually active in the NFL at the time and even had like uniforms for like the Bills and the Dolphins and. When we talk about the Dolphins, right, so they play in Miami, and a lot of this show, at least in the pilot, takes place in Miami, right, Nicole? Yeah, let's talk about the pilot. So Spencer, who's played by The Rock, is a former football player turned financial manager, and he's trying to get his first client, but we don't really get a sense for how long The Rock is doing his job, but it seems like everybody kind of hates him, or they just are unimpressed by him. So after a friend and player dies in a car accident with his money in a mess... The Rock sees this as an opportunity for other players because they might get nervous and he's there to help them manage their money. So The Rock then targets uh, two of his friends. He targets Ricky and Vernon. So Ricky is a hotshot wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers who gets into a bar fight and uh, doesn't get arrested or anything, but gets cut from the team. So then Rock gives him some tough love, taking him under his wing, and then gets him an interview with the Dolphins. Dolphins. Which then Ricky is late for. <laughs> and Peter Berg, the director of this episode, actually plays the coach of the Dolphins. So it doesn't look like Ricky's going to get the job, but then their friend Charles ends up putting in a good word through some friends, and Ricky gets the job, and it saves his career. So he becomes like the Rock's first client. Vernon, though, is a rookie with a huge family. And he needs to borrow $300,000 from The Rock. So The Rock sees this as his opportunity to get his hooks in with Vernon. Vernon somehow spent his $12 million signing bonus somehow already. So Rock actually talks to his former agent who had kind of helped him and shepherded him along. And that former agent actually tells Rock not to do this, that it's a bad idea, that Rock's going to lose the money. But Rock says that this former agent took a chance on him. Rock has to take a chance on Vernon. And then Rock checks his ATM at the end of the episode, and he's all out of money. The B-plot this episode is former player Charles, played by Omar Miller, is getting a job at a car dealership and saying some good things about Ricky to the Miami Dolphins officials. He also gets a celebratory strip tease from his wife while wearing a Chevrolet dealership hat. Oh, sure. That's got to be a first for Chevy. You think? You're more likely to get a Ford striptease? Uh, Ford's a working man's striptease. I don't I don't know if that's a good one either. I think like a Ferrari striptease oh. is something you'd get or a Porsche striptease. I gotcha. Like, oh, you got yourself a Toyota. Let me get undressed for you. <laughs> yeah. But I only watched the pilot, Nicole. Mm -hmm. Is the rock money thing a big issue? Because it 
like seeing some some bits and pieces of some other episodes doesn't seem like he's hurting for cash. So is this something that's like quickly resolved? I don't know that it's resolved so much as it, his money comes very quickly and very easily. Mm. Just seems easy for everybody in this series. There's not a whole lot of down. I mean, sure, they highlight struggles of NFL players and things like that, but they're highlighting the good life and The Rock has it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And the other thing they so they set up Rock's money problems as kind of like, per, like he's the star. He has money issues. They also set up this little like PTSD he has where he injured a player in the past and he's still kind of like reliving it. Yeah. So they kind of button up the whole series on the Rock's journey to getting the NFL alumni support like continued support for their injuries and different oh, okay okay like long-standing things like ptsd from the concussions oh cte it's good to know that that becomes sort of a theme because usually what happens with the rock for better lack of a better word is just they ride on his charisma yeah right they say we're just going to put the rock he's going to be cool and he does a great job of that but it's always a little shallow but i did like that in the first episode they at least set up He's going to have money problems, which that doesn't seem to really be a thing. But they do set up this sort of like he's being haunted by the damage he's caused as part of his career and, and injured. And yeah, and that kind of drives him. Even with the money thing, it seems like he's trying to take care of like the young players. Yeah, I think so. But also I, I would caution our listeners and you with regards to this show. It's probably like 75, 25, maybe 80, 20. The larger portion being glitz and drugs, bro downs, and then the rest <laughs> of it kind of being like, okay, there was a lot of drugs and drinking and partying in this episode. So let's like show something meaningful or show, you know, show that yeah. someone has a heart or, you know, so it's kind of like they just throw an anchor here and there to ground the show. So Peter Berg is big on this show. He he directed the first episode and, and he directed some others throughout and, and his style is really used. So for those who don't know who Peter Berg is, he was an actor from Chicago Hope, but he transitioned to directing. He directed Friday Night Lights, both the movie and the TV show. He's directed a lot of action movies, Hancock, Battleship, Patriot's Day, declining returns on each of those, in my opinion. But he did five Mark Wahlberg movies. So you see the connection again. And he also did a movie with The Rock called The Rundown. So that was Rock's like first big movie. Peter Berg directed The Kingdom, mm -hmm. which was about a terrorist investigation in Saudi Arabia. Did you ever see that movie? There's definitely a terrorist movie with like someone else and Jennifer Garner, I think. Maybe it was this one. <laughs> I'm not sure. It might have been. Jennifer Garner gets around to take down terrorists. Uh, so I don't want to sound like I'm I'm knocking Peter Berg. Again, some of his action movies the last few years leave, leave me a little wanting, but his style is is very there. Like if the camera is always moving. So it kind of the goal is to make it kind of feel like a little bit of a documentary. Like it's very cinema verite. And I just think if you, if you want to see the best of what he's done, I recommend The Kingdom. Uh, it came out mid 2000s. It's got Jamie Foxx, Chris Cooper, Jennifer Gardner, Jason Bateman. Uh, again, it's a, a terrorist attack takes place in Saudi Arabia and the FBI actually goes into Saudi Arabia, the kingdom, to investigate it. And there's about like an investigation for like the first 20 minutes and then it's an action scene for like an hour and a half. What I would say is don't bother having a couch because you'd only be on the edge of your seat when you're watching this movie. <laughs> so you don't need the whole couch. <laughs> But I think the trick is with Peter Berg's directing style, it works well because Peter Berg's whole thing is that the camera's moving. It's it's following characters. Mm -hmm. So you kind of feel like you're part of the crew. 
I felt like I'm hanging out with the guys. To your point, Nicole, you mentioned it's like very bro-y. I guess that's probably why I didn't appreciate it because I felt like I wasn't part of the clique, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there's the cool guys over there and here I am. Like, they're over there being rich and buying cars and I'm over here (laughs) eating a Hot Pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Does it at any point get a little more serious? It seems like, yeah, we're following a bunch of rich guys, you know, a bunch of kids. Yeah, well, so he obviously he has the comeuppance for his like main goal, which is to help the players with health care. But then mm-hmm. like some of the other <laughs> some of the other like people create their own businesses. They they start making movies or producing movies and dabbling in esports even, which I'm warned this is going to become a thing, which I will not be watching esports. <laughs> Do you watch a lot of sports movies? I used to watch a lot more when I was a kid. Okay. I know that like any given Sunday was really good with Al Pacino, Jamie Foxx, Karate Kid I was really into. (laughs) I actually just rewatched recently. It was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Have you ever heard of Best of the Best? No, I haven't. So Nicole, spoiler alert, it is not the best of the best. Oh, (laughs) I'm shocked. Best of the Best came out in the late 80s. It had Eric Roberts. It had James Earl Jones. It had Chris Penn. Those names may sound familiar. Eric Roberts is the less famous brother of Julia Roberts. Chris Penn is the less famous brother of Sean Penn. So it's a weird group, and they're a karate team fighting South Korea. Not North Korea, fighting South Korea. (laughs) And it's really like, they really make them seem like the one guy's got an eye patch and killed the other guy's brother. (laughs) It's insane. They cut to them at one point, and James Earl Jones is teaching them. And so like, They're doing like yoga and stuff. They've got a yoga instructor who's a woman who wears high heels like on the yoga mat because that's what women did in the 80s. And James Earl Jones is like, you're not a team if you don't give a damn about one another. And then they show them video of the South Koreans karate chopping trees in the winter, like outside half naked karate chopping trees. And you're like, the fuck is going on here? This can't be real. And you're like, let's watch it again and again. Yes. And again. So (laughs) I used to love this as a kid. I looked it up. Leonard Malton, who's a film historian, said of this movie that it's an appalling waste of talent, a top drawer cast in search of a script. The best part, Nicole, is that they made three more of these fucking things. And I'm not lying when I say that they got so off the rails that best of the best four was about them fighting Nazis. So we went back in time? No, it's they fought Nazis in like New Mexico. It loses its touch. It gets away from them. They're like, hey. Let's find Nazis who karate. Do you play karate? Yeah. Do you do karate? I think you do. Karate Nazi has a nice ring to it. I will say if there's not a terrible straight to VHS movie called Karate Nazi, we are missing out, folks. Yeah. So I think best of the best, noting that it's a bad film overall, (laughs) I think was my like favorite sports. It's your favorite. Yeah, it's it's my favorite. Um, How about you? What was your favorite like sports movie growing up? My favorite sports movie is The League of Their Own. Oh. This movie with Gina Davis and her little sister Kit. You laugh. You cry. Tom Hanks is a fucking lunatic and you love it. Nicole, I just was quoting this movie the other day to my wife. She mentioned somebody named Lou. And I immediately screamed to her, who's Lou? (laughs) At the top of my lungs. (laughs) Yeah. A League of Their Own is like hands down. Yeah, I I, I think I have to change my answer because <laughs> I loved Best of the Best, but A League of Their Own is just 
balls to the wall is one of the greatest movies ever made. Oh shit, what about Jonathan Brandis on Ladybugs? D- the soccer movie? Didn't Jonathan Brandis have sex with a dolphin? No, he talked to a dolphin. To have sex with it? No. He was on a show called Sequest DSV. He was. And there was a talking dolphin on the show. Yeah. It was Star Trek Underwater. And he passed away. He took his life. After you fuck a dolphin, there's no going back. (laughs) (laughs) So this show, though, we didn't like as much as those movies, but we did like some stuff. You watched several seasons of Ballers. (sighs) Obviously, it had some stuff you liked. What did you like most about it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's an easy to consume expose on the way players are exploited for entertainment. Despite being paid, they have lifelong injuries and the NFL kind of disposes of them the minute they stop making the money. Like Charlie and his family. Charlie is the guy that's trying to get the job. He's the Chevrolet guy. Yeah. So he gets the job at at the car dealership because he can't get back into the NFL. Yep. Okay. His heart is being broken left and right. He's trying to breathe life into a dying NFL career and he's trying to do right by his family. Uh, But this is where I'd like to dive in. Like, we know about all the players that get endorsements and have funky diets and marry supermodels. We don't know about all the players who retire from the NFL and have to blend into regular society. They're no longer stars. Yeah. They're no longer high paid. These are the stories that I would feel more compelled to watch is Charlie's family. He's reacclimating to normal life with normal people, getting a normal job with a wife and family that supports him while his heart is breaking from losing the only thing that he ever did well in his life that he can't make his body do well anymore. This is the shit I would watch. When you look at the average NFL player, right to your point, we know the big stars, but the average NFL player only lasts like three years in the NFL. And when we even when we talk about like salaries, like they're looking at five, six thousand dollars a week for most of those players. So, yeah, those are my things that I loved about this show, this family, this storyline, and then how it kind of exposes Mm -hmm. the NFL shortcomings. The players are left behind. So what are your favorites, David? Well, I think they have great aerial shots of stadiums. Oh, a lot of drone work in this. That (laughs) I, I honestly like I'm not I'm not I'm not doing a joke. So here's the thing in the NFL. When you watch a game, one of the first things they'll show you on TV is like that overhead, like Mm -hmm. here is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where the Eagles play. And you get that kind of like the cityscape shot Mm -hmm. of like them zooming into the stadium. So when they do that on the show, which they do a lot, it kind of like connects me to the city. I think the NFL and sports teams in general, right, have this tie to the city so that the team kind of reflects the city a bit. Like. So when they do these shots to kind of establish the city and the team, it does help for me as a viewer kind of go, okay, I know what this community is looking for. So like, yeah, for example, when Ricky gets in a fight, Ricky, who is John David Washington's character, when he gets in a fight in the first episode, as you mentioned, he gets cut by Green Bay, but Miami loves prima donnas, right? Bring them on in. It's a bit more of a show. So I think that's how the NFL works. So when they're doing it on the show, it kind of adds the sense of realism for me. So I'm watching the show and I go, okay, they're talking about Miami. I expect to see party scenes for players on the Dolphins. <laughs> so I, I think that really helps me kind of ground the show in, in yeah. like giving teams identities and cities yeah. identities. And then when you look at Peter Berg at one point, so he's the director of the pilot and a producer on the show. He said, quote, sports are meant to be fun first and foremost. And I think with that sort of mantra, I think the show nailed it. Whatever you're looking for. If you're going into the show thinking sports should be fun, they should be a fun show, I think they hit a nail on the head. I, I think they got it. It's certainly a fun show. 
it left me a little wanting though. Mm -hmm. It seems to me like it was all a little bit too easy for everyone. Yeah. Uh, you kind of touched on this earlier, yep. you know, that money's a problem, but it's not really a problem. I feel like, as you've mentioned, it kind of gets easy for characters. So they kind of set up these difficulties, mm -hmm. but they're setting up 1% difficulties. I It reminded me weirdly of when I watched The Real Housewives, where they're arguing over, you know, what Twitter comment got made about them by a gossip magazine. And everyone's very upset about this. And it doesn't fucking matter because they're all rich. Yeah. And they all have all the money in the world and all the opportunities to start their own businesses and run their own businesses. <laughs> so it kind of reminded me of that a little bit weirdly of these one percenters. You know, there's just nothing at stake. It's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. And The Rock may have a bad episode or two. Yeah. Right? Well, if I can lend you $300,000, I'm not really that broke. Like, I'm broke. Yes. But like... For me, I couldn't lend anyone $300, let alone $300,000. So following that chain, Nicole, if we talk about Ricky, John David Washington, who he said got kicked off uh, the Green Bay Packers, he gets kicked off because he assaults a man in a club. So a, a man says some things to him that are unpleasant and Ricky beats him up. In this show, because he's a rich NFL player, his punishment for assaulting a man in a club is that he has to leave Green Bay, which is cold, <laughs> and go to Miami, which is nice. As as I look through through this and I'm like, OK, so the rock runs out of money, but he, he's got plenty. Uh, Ricky got in a fight, but he has to go to a different team. So those are some of my problems that there was no stakes. Yeah. What about for you? As a female watcher of a show about dudes mostly getting bitches and they talk about them that mm. way. It just I'm not in love with the bros. I'm not in love with the women being objectified. It's not yeah, relatable yeah. and it's not aspirational either. It's not something I want. I personally don't want to be the girl on the boat. <laughs> what show did this remind you most of? Like when you watch a few seasons of this, what show did it kind of remind you of? Like maybe Jerry Maguire. Like it's not really a TV show. Ooh, okay. It's a movie. No, but that counts. The league, maybe a bit. Oh, the fantasy football one. Okay. Not necessarily the glitz and glamour, but like the dudes getting together, doing the fantasy league. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. So for you, did you have any shows that you would relate this to or think it's like? So Arliss ran for HBO for a long time and Arliss was about sports agents. It was one of like HBO's early comedies. I'm sure we'll tackle Arliss on this show at some point. Friday Night Lights has some similar elements, especially in style. And I think that's largely attributable to Peter Berg, who directed both Friday Night Lights, the movie, the TV show, and uh, the first episode of Ballers to set the style. Weirdly, though, I feel like Friday Night Lights, even though it deals with high schoolers, I feel like the stakes are higher. Yeah, like, they got to get out of that town. That's the only way. Yeah, man, you're going to you're never getting out of West Canaan, Texas or wherever the fuck they're in. They're trying to get to that one percent, right? They're trying to get to the level that the characters and ballers are. So the characters and ballers already have the safety net. The kids in Friday Night Lights don't. Yeah. Their stakes are like real. If the quarterback gets the, the cheerleader pregnant on Friday Night Lights, that's it. Right. He's not going to the NFL. Nope. Right. He is going to be in West whatever fucking Texas for the rest of his life. Be a security guard at the library. Yeah. <laughs> if he's lucky, Nicole. <laughs> if he's lucky. And they're always sweaty in Friday Night Lights, so I feel bad for those kids. <laughs> like, the humidity in Texas, according to that show, is 101%. They're always wet, all of them, fresh out of the pool, every one of those kids. <laughs> okay. As you're watching one episode, are you going to keep watching? Do you think other people should watch it? So I enjoyed the first episode I watched. I definitely enjoyed it. I would say for me, 
I wouldn't recommend it unless you're a fan of Entourage or a big fan of The Rock. How you watched more of it than me. What, what about you? Would you would you finish out the series, for example? <sighs> it's a snackable 30 minute whiz through the glamorous side of sports with dips into issues for athletes. But I don't think you'll gain anything from watching this show beyond entertainment. Mm-hmm. You probably already like or watch football if you're watching it. You already know about the issues that these athletes are working through, probably with a more serious disposition. So, no, I mean, I wouldn't watch this if I know what I know now after having watched quite a bit of it. So you're not even going to finish it. So, you, yeah, you've no, you've watched no. 60% of it and you're not going to go finish no. it. I'm good. No, and I haven't even ever thought about it yeah. again until this series that we're doing. Until this podcast. Yeah, okay. that's right. So it sounds like our takeaway here for the audience <laughs> is if you loved Entourage, dive in. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you could probably pass on this. But if you need something fun for sports, feel free. But probably you can pass. Pass. Thank you very much, Nicole, for talking ballers with me. What are we doing next? On our next episode, we will be looking at The Night Of, starring John Turturro. I've never seen the show, so I'm looking forward to it. Nicole, have you seen The Night Of? I have seen every episode of the show, this short mini series, and it is fucking excellent. I cannot wait to talk about it. I'm very excited. Uh, John Turturro has delivered some of my favorite performances, like in Rounders, (laughs) and also some of my least favorite performances, like Transformers. Uh, So I'm excited for this. I don't know what I'm going to get. It's like Schrodinger's John Turturro. (laughs) Folks, check out our Twitter feed at It's Not TV Pod for further details about our podcast and to connect with our community. Also, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. A very special thank you to our producer, Matt Malone. It's Not TV is a production of Brewit Media. Brewit Media.